This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's only one. There's only one pod in the Motor City that's keeping you up to date on everything Detroit sports. This is The Daily Ticket with your host, Jeff Rieger. Hey, everybody, what's going on? Jeff Rieger, another episode of The Daily Ticket. This one for Wednesday, October 18th, 2023. Getting close to Halloween, people. What's going on, everybody? Hopefully, everybody's having a great day. It's hump day. I still have this freaky doll right next to me. I got to get this thing out of the way. Kind of freaks me out as we grow closer to Halloween. But I'm about to give you probably too much information. And I apologize in advance. But I was on a run yesterday. And usually I do my best thinking when I'm on a run, in the shower, or on the toilet. I think like every guy, maybe every person, we're all the same, right? I do my best thinking in those three spots. So I'm on a run yesterday down Ford Road. And I'm not just saying this so you know that I run. Because it's miserable. Running sucks. I mean, it does the trick, right? I run four miles a day. You should not be proud of me because then I just shove my face with burritos. In my warped mind, I think to myself, if I run enough, I can eat whatever the hell I want. My wife tells me that doesn't work. But what are you going to do? I'm not going to stop eating poorly, so I might as well try to mix in a run. But anyway, so I'm running down Ford Road. I live in Canton. And the start of the run is always the hardest part. You know, the first two minutes, if you get past the two minutes, you're good to go. You can finish the run. But the first two minutes is agony. I'm an old guy. I'm 48. There's a lot of pain involved. My joints are flared up. I got arthritis all over the place. It's a brutal two minutes. All I can think about is going back to my Barca lounger and cracking open a box of white cheddar Cheez-Its, which, by the way, are delicious. You ever have them? Go get some. I should do ads for them. My God, they're best snack ever. But anyway, so as I get past the first two minutes, it's always a good feeling because then the pain goes away and you realize that you're in for the long haul. And running is a great thinking sport. Whatever pops in your mind, it's like meditation while you sweat, to tell you the truth. So yesterday, I was all over the place. I get so deep in thought that I almost get hit by a car almost every time I run. Not even kidding. I think it's their fault, but it's probably not my fault or my fault because I'm not paying attention. But yesterday, I I started off by thinking about the feelings, right? How much fun those games look. How good Nick Castellanos has been. 
Have you seen how good he's been in the postseason? Just unbelievable. Not to mention their playoff song is so cool. Dancing on my own. Sorry, I'll never do that again. I apologize. Oh, it's so good, though. I think I've done, a lot of people I know have downloaded it. Those Phillies games look like a blast to be at. Maybe one day in Detroit we can do the same, right? But as the run goes on, my thoughts drift away. Then other thoughts come to me. And for some reason or another, and, and I don't exactly know why, but I started thinking about the Lions and how good they are. And what's the most impressive thing about this stretch they're on? I don't know if anybody does the bar stool. But I follow Barstool. I look at Barstool's tweets. Every week they tweet out their rankings of how good teams are. Do you know for the first time ever the Lions were in the juggernaut category, which is like the best category of the entire thing? I talked about Jared Goff yesterday, how he's been unreal. He should be a serious MVP candidate. I started to think about Craig Reynolds' block the other day and how I had this great name for it, but it came to me way too late. You know, they call Craig Reynolds Netflix. You hear Netflix, you automatically think Netflix and chill. I dubbed the name Netflix and kill. Pretty good, right? I was very proud of myself. But I didn't know where to use it because it was already hours after the Reynolds block. But you get it, Netflix and kill because he almost killed the guy. It was that amazing of a block. Yeah. So I thought about that. And then for some reason, as I get to like the two mile mark, Matt Patricia pops into my head. I don't know why. I haven't thought about Matty Patty in quite some time. Matt Patricia was a disaster. Holy cow. Talk about hitting rock bottom before you actually get it done with Dan Campbell, who's been absolutely outstanding for the Lions. So I'm thinking about Matt Patricia. What an awful football coach. I remember one time he created like a hundred page dissertation as to why he decided to practice outside on the cold day. I think it was raining too. Like Matt bro, you're the coach. You don't have to tell the media anything, but I'm the coach. I wanted to practice outside, but no, Matt had to be the smartest guy in the room. He went to RPI. He was a legit rocket scientist. If you remember I always joke back in the Matt Patricia era because all you could do is laugh or you would have cried. I always joke that, thank God, he chose football as an occupation because could you imagine that guy working for NASA? I mean, that would have been dangerous. So I stopped thinking about Patricia. And then, of course, my thoughts blended into Dan Campbell, how good he is. And I started thinking to myself, what a freaking upgrade. Like, unbelievable, right? Dan Campbell's in two years and six games has figured out how to do something in Detroit that no other coach in Detroit has ever figured out how to do. How to change the culture. Like, every coach that came through Detroit in Allen Park and the Silverdome before that, they all said the same damn thing. We're going to change the culture. Marty Morningwig, Rod Marinelli, Steve Mariucci, Jim Caldwell, Matt Patricia, Jim Schwartz. And they all eventually got lionized. Every coach wanted to run from the awful past. Nobody wanted to talk about SOL or the failure of the coaches that came before them. No, no, no. These coaches were too smart for that. They all failed. 
They all had a shelf life of about three to four years. Maybe Wayne Fonts was around a little longer. Jim Caldwell was probably the one guy that did not get lionized. And at the time, you should not have fired him because he was nine and seven. And that decision, of course, gets magnified and becomes worse because Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn took over. Quinn fired him and hired his boy Patricia. Worst decision ever. Then Sheila Ford took over. And she made the best decision ever. She gave Bob and Matt way too long. Way too long. Remember, she gave them the extra year. And they were fired at Thanksgiving in that extra year. And then she decided for my next GM and for my next head coach, I'm going to do a complete 180. Those guys were jerks. I'm going to hire not a jerk. Those guys were private. I'm going to hire somebody that's transparent. And somehow, some way, she hired Dan Campbell before the GM and Brad Holmes. Do you remember this? And I got to be honest, everybody was skeptical. I was skeptical. You hire a guy that had no coordinator experience in Dan Campbell. All he had was the interim tag in Miami for 11, 12 games, right? That's who you hired. The media didn't believe it was going to work. The national media sure in the hell didn't believe it was going to work. And then, of course, Dan Campbell, when he got the job, said this. Take a listen. I think you remember. Here's what I do know is that... This team is going to take on the identity of this city, all right? And this city's been, been down, and it found a way to get up, all right? It's found a way to uh, overcome adversity, all right? And so this team's going to be built on, uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth, all right? And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right? And we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. All right, and on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, and we're going to get up, and then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before, before long, we're they going to be the last one standing. Here's what. I okay, so when he said that, I too thought like, oh no, this is going to be a failure. This is going to be a disaster, right? I remember the national media was outraged that Dan Campbell got the job. Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. I like Stephen A. Smith. He pointed out that Campbell was 10 and 38 as a Lions tight end. And he said, listen, this is who you are. This is your track record. So to go up and say you're biting kneecaps, I mean, my goodness, you might want to fire the guy on the spot. I don't want to speak for Stephen A. This was Stephen A. Smith when asked about Dan Campbell's kneecap comments. Take a listen, shall we? That is your resume with the Detroit Lions as a player. And that is how you show up at the press conference? First of all, a legitimate argument could have been made. He should have been fined on the spot in this press conference. I mean, you're talking about biting kneecaps and stuff like that. Last time I checked, I mean, that, it's that, a that, metaphor. Hey, you, you can say it's a metaphor all you want to. Hannibal Lecter. I'm taking it literally. Why should I? That's the most bizarre press conference I've ever seen. Why the hell should I? Not the most bizarre. We just talked about having gates. I'm just saying, come on, NASA. I'm just looking at it. And I'm like, damn. I mean, you know, you, that's worth, that's about, that's bounty gate kind of stuff right there. I mean, what the hell is going on here? That. So that was Stephen A. Smith. He said he would have fired him on the spot. And he wasn't alone. There was a lot of people that hated the idea of Dan Campbell getting the job, stopping to the podium, and acting like, what, a crazy jock? Nobody liked it. But there was one line that Dan Campbell had, and I remember this 
so vividly. One line that Dan Campbell had that at least turned me a little bit. Now, don't get me wrong. I thought he was going to fail. I'll be honest with you. I'm always honest. I thought he was going to be a disaster, just like every coach that came before him. But he said this line at his press conference, and it made me perk up. Take a listen. I wanted this job bad because I felt like I knew this community. I played here. All right. Here's what I know. Just as an overall philosophy, you're going to say, well, what's this team going to be? What's it not going to be? Here's what I know. All right. I know that Detroit's made up of great people, some really good people. All right. This community is strong. Um, this place has been kicked. It's been battered. It's been bruised. And I can sit up here and give you coach speak all day long. I can give you, uh, you know, hey, we're going to win this many games. I can't. That uh, none of that matters, and you guys don't want to hear it anyway. You've had enough of that shit. So, and he did apologize for saying shit. But my God, when he said that, I remember where I was, and I thought to myself, "Wow, what a concept!" Finally, you get a guy that actually understands the pain and the torture of the fan base. Remember Adam Gase, disaster of a head coach, but he was from Ypsilanti. He went to Michigan State. I thought the Lions should have hired him simply because he worked in Detroit with the Lions. He knew the disaster that it was back then. And maybe a guy with inside info that was from Detroit that experienced it firsthand could help make a difference. I thought the same thing about Dan Campbell. He played here when the team was 0-16. Didn't play in a lot of those games, but still. Another rabid fan base. He probably knew this could be a football hotbed. And he wanted to win. Dan Campbell's the one guy that's not running from the past. Dan Campbell's the one guy that doesn't give a damn what you think of him. Dan Campbell's the one guy that has yet and will not, I don't think, get lionized. That's amazing. I don't know how he did it. Death, taxes, lions, coaches getting lionized. It's a tradition as long as we've all been alive, as the human race has been around, correct? Dan Campbell's the one that hasn't been, though. And he's changed the culture. Whether you believe it's just a tag word in grit or not, it's true. Look at everything Dan Campbell's been through. He's done the unthinkable. He's done what every other coach said they were going to do. Start with the firings. When Dan Campbell got the job, he put Anthony Lynn as his OC. Anthony Lynn and Dan Campbell worked together with the Cowboys. Lynn was a coach. At the time, Campbell was a tight end. Lynn was the running back coach. They became friends. Lions started 0-8. Lynn was demoted. Ben Johnson got the play calling duties along with Dan Campbell. And next thing you know, after the season, Lynn and Campbell parted ways. Just didn't work. Campbell fired him. It was the right choice. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. First of all, he gave the play calling duties eventually to Ben Johnson. And Ben Johnson is the one good thing that Matt Patricia did, by the way, in Detroit, because Patricia, believe it or not, brought Ben Johnson in. 
But when you're a head coach and nobody trusts you and you have no experience and you hire an OC and you whack them after the first year, yeah, you did what was right, but people are going to start to wonder, this guy's got no idea what he's doing. He's hiring a guy just to fire a guy? A lot of guys won't fire somebody simply because they hired him. Campbell didn't care. Lynn and him had a mutual parting of the ways. And now look at this offense. It's the right decision. But it wasn't just Anthony Lynn. What about last year? Defense was horrendous. Truly woeful. Remember the game against, was it Seattle, where they could not get the Seahawks to punt? Campbell decided it was time to make another move. He fired Aubrey Pleasant, who at the time was the defensive backs coach and the pass game coordinator. At the time, Campbell called it a tough decision. All of a sudden, the defense got better. They stopped the run, with the exception of that one game in Carolina on Christmas Eve. Again, right call. Dan Campbell made it. Did what had to be done. But he fired two coaches in two years, and he's never coached before. You had to be thinking to yourself, this guy's a disaster. This guy's not going to work out. But it has worked out. Look at this team. Take it a step further. How many coaching and management, time management mistakes did Dan Campbell make already? So many that people said, oh, he's learning on the job. That's unacceptable for an NFL head coach to learn on the job. There was the bad call last year in Minnesota, cost them the game. Sent this kicker out for a field goal he couldn't make. There was the decision on Thanksgiving last year against the Bills, could have lost them the game. What about two years ago, trying to win their first game? They were over. Justin Tucker ends up kicking a 66-yarder. Before that, he called a timeout. He allowed Lamar Jackson to compose himself, convert a fourth and 19, only for Tucker to rip the hearts out of Lions fans. That was a bad decision by Dan Campbell. But he's learned from them all. He's learned from them all. Another bad decision, we think, was in the Seattle game. Just this year, second game of the season, Lions lost that game. And Dan Campbell, Mr. Aggressive, Mr. Dan Gamble, as I like to refer him to, or as, he decided to get all conservative on the last drive of the game in regulation. He was going for the tie and not the win. He was willing to allow the game to be decided by a coin flip, which it was. Seahawks won it. Afterwards, he said, listen, I had my offense in end-of-half offense instead of end-of-game offense because essentially he was playing for a tie. I thought it was silly. I thought it was stupid. Guess what? They've won four straight since. After the game, Dan Campbell said, this is good for us. I thought that was a dumb thing to say. I kind of understood it, but probably a dumb thing to say after the entire world is expecting better from the Detroit Lions. He was right. I was wrong. He gets paid a lot. I don't. He's smart. I'm not. He also said, and it was on our morning show, Stoney and Jansen, that he pretty much pressured everybody the week after Seattle. Put a little extra pressure on his coaches and his players. Four-game winning streak after that. The Atlanta game, they won 20-6. to six. And they've been awesome ever since. Dan Campbell stuck with Aaron Glenn last year. His buddy, when the defense was looking atrocious. Could have fired him. Maybe some people think they should have fired him. Stuck with him. Now the Detroit Lions defense is number four in the NFL. Four. 
everything Dan Campbell does has worked. Remember Sheila Ford Hamp having to come out and give him the vote of confidence? The team was one in five. Sheila Ford surprised the media in the practice facility. Said, listen, this guy's going to work out. He's our guy. I'm not making a change here. Lions lost the next game. After that, they went eight and two in their last 10. Dan Campbell's changed the culture. Look at how he handled Isaiah Bugs this year. Bugs was cryptic on social media before the season started. Nobody knew what he was talking about. Media goes to practice. Bugs is like, I'm benched. Dan Campbell didn't make a big deal about it. Bugs and Campbell understood that Bugs had to apparently play better, play harder. He did. And he made a massive play Sunday when he defect, uh, deflected a Baker Mayfield pass. And if he didn't, by the way, Will Harris ended up intercepting it. But if he didn't deflect it, talking about Bugs, Mike Evans was wide open like 90 yards down the field. It could have been a 7 nothing Bucks game instead of a 3 nothing Lions game. Another good move by Dan Campbell. But the best move, I think, by Campbell, the one that really resonated with me, was what he said to Peter King. Do you remember Peter King and SOL? Here's what he said. It was the Kentucky Derby in the summer. Rich Strike, who was like a huge underdog, ended up winning the Derby. Dan Campbell said this about Rich Strike when asked by Peter King. I just think it's kind of, he said, I just think I got guys like Rich Strike. Every time we hear SOL, same old lines and all that stuff, I think it fuels our fire. We love it. I think that's how we all feel. That's how we all talk. That's how we all think. There's nothing fake about it. I believe him. I love that he acknowledged SOL. No coach ever before Dan Campbell ever acknowledged SOL. I asked a bunch of them about it. I've asked Rod Marinelli about it. I asked Jim Caldwell about it. I asked a lot of coaches about SOL. Nobody wants to talk about the past. That's not my past. That's their past. Dan Campbell said, screw it. I use it as a recruiting tool. Why wouldn't you want to come here and kill SOL? And they're doing a good job of it. If SOL ain't dead, it's on life support. Think about that. Nobody ever thought SOL would go away, die, get murdered. Campbell's decapitated the thing. Again, I don't know if SOL is a guy or girl, so forgive me. But you get my drift. As soon as Campbell talked about SOL, I was all in. Good for him. It's one thing to acknowledge it. And to be able to use it as a teaching tool, like, hey, this has happened on not our watch, but our organization's watch. So why don't we pretty much change it? Or we can stand by and do nothing and I'll get fired too. As I'm running down Ford Road, I'm thinking about this and I'm like, my God, Dan Campbell has done everything every other Lions coach has never been able to do, ever. It's pretty damn impressive. Dan Campbell clawed his team out of a one-in-six start. One-in-six, you're dead in the NFL. They had a chance to make the playoffs. So this podcast is dedicated to Dan Campbell, the one guy who did the unthinkable. He changed the culture. Four letters, grit. Dan Campbell 
was part of an 0-16 team. He knew the importance of this team to the city and the fan base. And now look at the fans making every road venue home field advantage for the Lions. It's like a dream. This is like a movie. It's like one of those movies on Netflix where everything's really, really bad. And next thing you know, everybody's happy and everything ends up perfectly. It doesn't happen without Dan Campbell. Now, Sheila Fordham deserves a lot of credit. Brad Holmes deserves a lot of credit. Chris Spielman deserves a lot of credit. The list goes on and on and on and on. But my goodness, I was just thinking about Campbell running today. The things that he's already done. Just the fact that he's not fired after three years is pretty remarkable considering other coaches and their plight. But they're winning. They're one of the best teams in all the game. And it's because of that guy. Now, other people get a ton of credit too. But how about that? Not that you wanted to know what I think about on my runs or in the bathroom, on the toilet. But I thought it was pertinent on a Wednesday to tell you. So, I want to know from you. What is the most impressive thing about this Lions 5-1 start? Let me know. Comment section below while you're at it. If you'd be so kind, could you rate and review and download the daily ticket wherever it is that you get your podcast? Should we get to the comments? Cool. Let's do it. Every podcast, I read a good comment and a bad comment. Yesterday's podcast was about Jared Goff. His MVP odds aren't great. They're plus 2,000 or plus 1,800, depending on where you look. I said that's ridiculous. Jared Goff, in my opinion, should be the front runner for the MVP. People responded. Let me read a couple, shall we? Dewan8110 said, Goff won't win MVP, but that's only makes it sweeter when he wins Super Bowl MVP. I know he was the guy ever since his first game as a Lion against the 49ers almost led us to a beautiful comeback. How about that? I didn't know he was the guy. But Dewan knew he was the guy. Here's another one. Jack Go Blue says Goff should be the NFL MVP. He's that damn good at quarterback. And then I got one more for you. Purdy threw a pick versus Cleveland. That's from Lions all day. Well, I mean, Goff has thrown three, including a pick six. So what are you going to do? But he's been that good. And I agree with everybody. He should be the front runner for MVP because who's been better at the quarterback spot? And we know a wide receiver isn't winning it, even though Tyreek Hill's been playing out of his mind. Here's the bad comment. This one comes from Rachel, a woman. Usually women are kind of nice to me. Maybe they feel bad for me. This one says the following. Rieger, work on your hair, please. It looks greasy. It looks disgusting. The light shines it. And sometimes you look bald. Other times... It just looks really greasy. Can you do something about that? I don't understand why so many people come in on my hair. Like my wife actually just walked down here. Elsa, do you want to walk in this podcast very quickly? Yeah. No? Can you comment? I don't know if you guys can hear her. What do you think of my hair, honey? Yell your answer. It's whatever. I don't really think about it at all. She doesn't think about it at all, she says. People are very mean to me about my hair. I don't know why. Anyway, thank you, Rachel. I appreciate the nice bad comment. That is the daily podcast for today, Wednesday, October 18th. We'll catch you tomorrow on a Thursday. Might be a special Sidney Crosby versus the Red Wings edition. We'll see how the Wings do later on tonight. It's been fun, everybody. We'll catch you tomorrow. The daily podcast, the daily podcast, the daily ticket. Please download, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. We'll catch you tomorrow.